Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Quite stylish. And we are back with episode three of House of the Dragon. Um, it's been a minute. Preston, how are you feeling? Are, are you tired? Are, are you okay? What's going on? Well, always tired, but not as tired as my wife. So it's, oh. uh, you know, this is this is the whole this is the whole secret is uh, um, have your wife breastfeed and then you don't have to wake up as much as a as a, as a man. It's this very kind of a, a sexist thing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but uh, this is uh, if if you're formula feeding your 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 kid, man, I, I, I feel for those fathers. Anyway. <laughs> but uh it's 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 exhausting it's exhausting much more for her than for me of course and uh, of course everyone is wishing you and you know your wife uh hopefully you guys had a healthy happy baby and oh, yeah, uh, yeah no he's 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 doing great he's doing great perfect good baby. i'm so i'm very lucky i'm very lucky yes i i'm glad you're very very lucky i'm glad you're very happy and i just want to remind you and the audience that i'm still the heir for your channel, if something happens to you, God forbid. I'm the heir, I just want to say. Uh, but uh... I mean, it's another boy, so, um, you know, there, there, there's there's no women in the succession line. Uh, I mean, unless, unless you're you're considered my bitch, so then... Uh... <laughs> Thank you. Missed you too. Uh, guys, welcome back to the Game of Thrones podcast. As always, we're available on SoundCloud and iTunes, so consider checking us out on those platforms. And if you do, please leave us a review. It would help out a lot. Also, leave your comments down below. We might cover them in the next episode. Yeah, so you were... <laughs> so as your wife was was in labor, I feel like you were watching this episode going... No, 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 no. no. So so after after you, you have a kid, you, you go into reco- like a recovery wing of, of a hospital, usually for two or three days depending on on um you know how organized they are and getting all the tests and monitoring done afterwards so there is a lot of like weird downtime Mm. um in between so i'm like trapped in this in this like recovery room this uh at, at the at the hospital for you know three days and so you know i i was able to watch the episode um while i was there and then when I when I got out, I, I hastily I hastily slapped together a review. But um, oh, I'm talking about when no. you messaged me on Facebook. I made the joke that you had your baby in one hand and you were angrily texting me how the episode sucked in the other. <laughs> it wasn't no, not quite like that. <laughs> but there there was downtime where I was like, yeah, you know, might as well. You know, originally I was like, I'm not going to do any work, and then I was like, ah, eh, you know, I got all this downtime. Why not? You know, so. Well, uh, I personally, my, my personal thoughts on this, and by the way, guys, you will hear me mm-hmm. say quite a few things fairly often uh, with, you know, Phil and everybody else, but uh, I thought this was a very fun episode. Out of the three we've gotten so far, the, the most flawed, there's a lot of holes you can poke in here, but yeah. um, for me, the most fun, I enjoyed it quite a bit more than I did the other two. I mean, I think if you're going for fun... Yeah, there's a lot more fun going on in this episode. I mean, as, as, I mean, let's start with the ending, um, which I think kind of everybody universally understands that the ending is fucking ridiculous, right? Like the last 15 minutes of the episode are ridiculous. But at the same time, they're super, it's super fun and entertaining. Like what? This is ridiculous. Like, like, you know, that, I mean, um, so I, I, I will never say that, like, there's nothing, there's nothing boring about the episode. There's a lot of like 
fun, entertaining moments. I think my first time through, I quite liked it. It was my second and third time through because we have to watch these things several times for our review. But the second and third times through where you kind of go, whoa, there's there's real serious like structural um, and dialogue problems with this episode that didn't exist in the first two. And so I think when I first watched, I was like, oh, this is, you know, pretty good. As good as the first, as good as the first two, as strong as the first two. But during my rewatch, I was like, oh, these are some really serious problems. And so I, I, I would say that it's considerably, now that I've like gone through it a bunch, I'm like, this is considerably weaker than, than episode one and two. Um, I think there is a lot of things that are very distracting that, um, you know, like everybody's speaking in, in George R. R. Martin speak, um, which they didn't do as much in Game of Thrones at all, but you know, distracts you from what they're talking about. A lot of the, you know, the the, the because the direction is so good and the and the action scenes are are very entertaining and there's there's such there's such a spectacle of of the event. You you know, you, you kind of get distracted from what's actually going going on. But um, once you know on my third time through and i'm just like listening to this dialogue of the series and stuff and 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 um lionel strong and, and jason lannister and just being like oh god like nothing nothing they're saying makes any sense like there was cl- i i really do feel there was a clear reworking of this episode um it, because some just a lot of the 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 cause and effect and the dialogue like doesn't really fit, you know. It, it seems jumbled, as if like they. I I al- almost think they originally had an idea like, okay, this was going to be all about um, either the succession or it was going to be all about the marriage, and then somehow they're like, well, that's not strong enough. Let's introduce this other issue, and they and they kind of like tried to bundle those two issues together, and they didn't really make sense from scene to scene. Um, I do think there's some some major structural issues with with the uh, with the episode, but you know, um, you know, still still beautiful thing on screen, uh, still all you know well acted, um, but yeah, there's it just wasn't for me. It wasn't as good as episode one and two. I agree with everything you said, but I would argue it was more entertaining than episode one and two. I, mm. I as much as I'm here for entertainment purposes, I'm here to like you know sit back and enjoy it. And for for me, I I think it's just I I kind of miss going places. You know, we finally fucking yeah. leave King's Landing and the vicinity around King's Landing, kind of, and we go to the King's Wood, which is different than like a bustling city and you know a dreary castle and then we go to the stepstones yay like this these are new fucking locations that we finally get to go to and oh i like that so much we finally get new non-dragon crazy characters um you mentioned jason lannister did you do you know who that is the actor um no is he actually a twin no i don't actually i don't think so but you actually saw him before he was in game of thrones Really? Yes, he was John Aaron's squire that gets fucking massacred by the mountain. That's that's Sir Hugh. That's really? Sir Hugh. Yeah. Huh. Same guy. Well, they they yeah. Well, whoever they got him and Ty- and Thailand, they they look like they're they're actually twins, you know. So um, if they're not actually twins, uh, you know, good on them for 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 casting. I think it might I mean, be the I, same I, guy for the twin. 
Oh, and then they did a they did a like a split screen kind of thing. I think so because there were there were some scenes where they kind of have one face behind the other, and I didn't see any evidence of CGI. Unlike with like the animals and stuff, where you're like, okay, that's a CGI, you know, animal. But um, so I was very impressed with their scenes of of Thailand and and, and Jason together. I'm also surprised you didn't mention this one thing that I noticed. I remember this from the book specifically because. It's a title of a movie, I think, starring um, Mila Kunis, uh, Joanna Swan, who was yes. – uh, so So we when we cover Fire and Blood, they actually do mention how she was kidnapped and, you know, eventually is sold to, mm. you know, a, a brothel in, in one of the free cities. And they call her the Black Swan. And they actually mention this here. I, I like how they're taking little little moments from Fire and Blood and just sprinkling it in here in the show. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you you are correct. Like that, that Jason and Tyland Lannister are both played by Jefferson Hall, and um, uh, yeah, they did the, the scenes of them together are, are seamless. Mm-hmm. That's fucking great work. Um, but yeah, the, the the cameo for for um for the Black Swan or the little uh, shout out to her is interesting. Now, I always theorize that that perhaps there is something to it that like later on when she rises the ranks and becomes the de facto leader of of lice that it, that it does affect the dance of the dragons but um this is all kind of speculation based completely on the fact that there are characters with the last name last name swan and she has the last name swan and the maester says her story is completely irrelevant which makes me think it's completely relevant but <laughs> it's 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 very it, obviously it's you know it's fire and blood theorizing and it's all very weak and and there's not much there to work with but it'll be interesting if if they bring her back and they bring the swans back and they make it a little more explicit you know um there there's a lot of things that I'm really surprised um uh that when I when I did kind of like the deep dive breakdown of of fire and blood that i i'm actually surprised that the show has come to the same conclusions about um for example in this episode specifically uh they mention that that um uh they talk about viserys's arranged marriage and he said oh yeah well the 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 veil of Aaron had an army that rivaled the north and you're like whoa that's that's actually that's actually some good reading uh, on on the writers and i'll compliment them on that because yeah because the north was supporting rainies and yeah you you, you want to ve- you want the veil army which also comes with damon's um betrothal to to the royces and yeah as an ex- as something that needs to rival the north that's that's a really good line and it's a really good catch and it's a really good reading of fire and blood um, I would say that, you know, most people doing a read would not catch that, you know, that this political marriage was done for Viserys to take the throne. Because when you actually watch the characters of, of Viserys and Rhaenys, like, interact on screen, they, they seem like they're, they have a pretty good relationship. And, you know, they're boiling down the entire conflict of the Council of 101 to Rhaenys being a woman. But to put in that line, like actually, you know, he was he was getting an army so that so that Rhaenys would not be able to to uh, dethrone him um, is uh, it's a it's a really good catch. It's a really good catch. But it, of course, it also involves like the first Passover of Rhaenys and all sorts of stuff. But I was very impressed with that specific line 
um, and their reading of, of fire and blood and how, and how well they did on that. But uh, will do, have they done a, a, a intense enough reading where they also come to the conclusion that there's something going on with the black swan and house swan? Um, because you know how the, Christ, um, for the love of God, we only have so much time in the episode uh, of House of the uh, Dragon for, for, for them to include all these theories. I know, but this first season is going to be very rushed. But I, once the dance starts, I think, you know, they, they might um, have to have to include other things to slow stuff down. Um, because then it's just battle, 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 Actually, battle. Actually, um, I'm might, glad you mentioned that because you know. I think this is the only battle we'll get. And what kind of annoys me is that because what other battle was there before the dance really takes off? And what yeah. kind of annoys me is that this episode was directed uh, by Greg Yell, whatever the fuck. And I, he's uh, apparently he's not done any other episode of Game of Thrones. And I'm surprised mm. they didn't bring in M- M- Miguel uh, uh, Spochnik to do this because yeah. – I mean, he's the battle guy. He did Hard Home, Long Night, yeah, Battle yeah. Bastards. Like, he's the battle guy, and he didn't do anything here. This was all some random dude who apparently has has a stake in Twitter uh, who directed well, this episode. Well, he, he, you know, he did he did a, he did a fine job. I mean, I would have I would have had a I would have had a boss battle between Damon and and the Crab Feeder because just they 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 built up the Crab Feeder to be somebody. Oh, and then, um. They, they they didn't just build him up to be somebody. They also gave him an intricate backstory, kinda. Uh, that mask he wears, it's confirmed that's yeah. a harpy mask. Oh my god! <laughs> and yes, how? It's, it's, I, how? I, <laughs> I mean, it's like two hundred years okay earlier and, uh, before the harpy movement, but okay. He, he okay. is confirmed to have grayscale, a dormant version of it, but he is confirmed to have grayscale and the actor who plays crab feeder um he did an interview with entertainment weekly where he like laid all this out so i'm kind of glad that this isn't Mm. dived into my my thing is that there has to be a law when it comes to ice and fire if a character has plot relevance and he does he's literally he's the first thing that pops up from Coralie's mouth in episode one um he's the whole reason why they've been doing this thing for three years three years and three episodes three episodes right (laughs) <laughs> he should have an on-screen death, even if it's him just begging for his life. Even if it's a pathetic death, that's fine. Right? Like I almost feel like it would be if you don't want to do the the you know crazy battle, um, you can do the reverse, like him on his knees being like, "Please, no, 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 I surrender, I surrender," and Damon just being like, "Cut him in half," like because that's just as powerful as well. But give me something. Give me something. Some of it didn't even make any sense because it takes time to wheel those trebuchets out in the open and even fucking shoot them. Why aren't the dragons flanking all the ships and just like shooting down any like? So you do see you do see Damon like in the background while while Lenor is is and Vaymond are bitching about the war. You see in the background the trebuchets going, and then you see Damon on his dragon trying to take him out. But it should be both Lenor and Damon both on dragonback scouting ahead. Consider, considering that you like in that scene you see like three ships go down you're like what the fuck were they doing arguing <laughs> while while their ships are going down like it and i i had somebody else post like no nah, like they could totally get those trebuchets back in the cave i was like what are you fucking the trebuchets like with, with with that range like these aren't like 
tiny little portable trebuchet. These are like trebuchets that can throw pitch across like a t- like three miles of water. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> like, these are, yeah, it's uh, like, but I said in my review, like, okay, no battle is going to make sense. No battle is going to make sense. I get it. They shouldn't be losing and they have fucking dragons. It's the Middle Ages or whatever. But they did take it to an extreme of ridiculousness. Like, really? How are you, how are you not taking down trebuchets? Like, why? Oh gosh, it's, it's, how, how it's it? dumb. It's by the way. I, I've I've asked everybody this, and I'll ask you: Have you ever seen the movie The Last Duel with Matt Damon and Kylo Ren? Um, I have not. I have great, not. great movie. It's it's up your alley. But okay. um, in in the movie, Matt Damon is a French knight, and at one point, he's out in, out in the field, and he gets ambushed by these peasants, and they're shooting arrows at him because he has plate armor. The some of the arrows bounce off his armor, and you actually see that they bounce off his armor. Why? Oof. Okay. Why, I mean, steel armor, right? Why can't okay. Why can't the arrows bounce off Damon's armor? Why does he have to have action cliche running man? Right. <laughs> it's true that I've never really seen that in a movie. Like, like, cause you think that, okay, occasionally you get a puncture, but occasionally you get a ricochet, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like you're saying, like, yeah, I mean, it, they did all the cliches, like, like fire arrows and all that, because like, no fire, like, I got a lot of people in the comments too, like, like, wait, what's wrong with fire arrows? Fire arrows aren't a thing. Okay. There was never fire arrows. Okay. What? Fire but, arrows. But Preston, in Total War, <laughs> several of the enemies use fire. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> fire arrows historically not a thing no one started their arrows actually on fire. i didn't know like, that I, I thought some people used them some people didn't use them really no they well i mean just logically speaking like why would you want to give your opponent the chance to see your arrow coming in and but two but two like as an aimer like you 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 go you go night blind if you had a flame like flaming in front of your face and you're trying to to, to shoot something in the distance like there's just it's just no it's just like and plus you you have some mass of something on there that's going to change the, tra- the trajectory somewhat like no one no one would do like there's no advantage to a fire arrow i mean some people's like are like oh but i could use it like a tracer and then see where the <laughs> arrows go no no because the the mass of whatever you have on the arrow that's burning would would change the trajectory so much from arrow to arrow that you have no you have no clue where your arrow is going now um it's also not that important because when you do long distance like okay short term archery like and long distance archery are two different kind of things so like you have no accuracy um with with a longbow after like you know uh 70 meters or something or you know but but you can shoot as far as say 300 but that's when you do it in mass so in in this scene you had en mass like firing where you don't need that much accuracy um you don't because because you've got a a thousand uh, you know 500 arrows going at once why do you why would you need accuracy so you wouldn't need the a tracer anyway but anyway this is all getting into the weeds like (laughs) like the only reason they do fire arrows is because they want the audience to look at something and they can't see arrows speaking of which i think i messaged you this did you notice how when damon gets hit caraxes cries out in pain yeah yeah no that was that was definitely an interesting cool thing um that that they're that they're uh telepathically connected um, mind and body. It's it's alluding uh, to which... it. It's not. I want it to be verbally confirmed. The other thing that doesn't also make any sense is how. And I keep. I forgot to say this to the other guys. Um, so the triarchy 
you know, they're the, the free cities are funding this. Why the fuck in the free cities fund scorpions? I thought we were going to get scorpions because if you're going to go up against Westeros and kick that hornet's nest, you should be prepared with a flyswatter. Yeah. Why the fuck did they? Yeah, not... it's true. And then and then you could say, well, oh, we can't get near them because they have scorpions. Right. That you would know? make and more then, sense. And then you have a final battle where where Damon's like, screw it, I'm going to go like I'm going to go in there with my dragon despite the scorpions. And then he's really taken some risks. Yeah, that's a you you had it down. Yeah, that would have been great. I just oh. you would think because Westeros has has had dragons now for over a hundred years, and obviously right. tales of this has spread throughout the world. Why would well, you come the prepared? Dornish the Dornish wars have already happened, and the Dornish used scorpions, and so you'd think that. The, the Dornish would have a ton of scorpions. Shouldn't the, yeah, shouldn't the and, Dornish be in this somehow? They were in the books. Uh, late, yeah, later on. So, so the keep in mind that that there's like several stages of the uh, of the or not several, but there's a couple stages of the War in the Stepstones. So, like Damon kings. wins, right? Damon wins initially, and then the Dornish join and um, Ragus the the. The next leader after Kragus, Crabfeeder. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm getting his name wrong. It's the Dario um, uh, stand-in. Um, I have to look it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, re- he he gets replaced by um, Redal Redalio, something like that. Something like the, yeah. It's like um, I'm totally. Um, but what whatever whatever. Ugh doesn't doesn't fucking matter but (laughs) but i just people people if i don't say it now people are going to be like posting the comments this is who it was um and uh rick recalio rindoon so once recalio rindoon comes in they start they start losing again um so damon gets called back and you know yeah, the whole situation. But um, I won't keep you for too long. Uh, that aside, so you gave the episode what a six out of ten? Um, no, I'd probably give it a like maybe when I first watched it would have been a six. But having having watched it enough, I'm gonna give it a, a, only a five out of ten. And and now keep in mind that like like this isn't even for the ridiculous battle at the end. Like and 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 I understand like I would say that. The structural problems of conflating Rhaenyra getting married and the changing of the air, which happens throughout, and 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 there's some real structural problems of cause and effect, and <clears throat> what feelings she ha- she should have. Like nearly every conversation in the episode is confused because of the conflation of those two things. Like for instance, she's she's sitting there with with um <clears throat> um. She's sitting there with uh, um, Kristen talking about whether or not this, the, the realm would ever accept her as as a queen. But if she really believes that she's getting usurped, like she wouldn't be having that conversation, you know, like she wouldn't think that it even would come to that. Like there's just so many like odd, you know, motivation um, problems and and throughout the entire episode that it's just massively confusing but even that that knocks it down a bit but the thing that just like gutted me was i never imagined marrying <laughs> I, I know again. i saw the review <laughs> okay like 
it's the dumbest fucking line that I could ever see coming out of anyone's mouth. Like I never imagined remarrying. Like what are you what are you what are you talking about? Like what? Like what? Like how how I and I, I know people are going to be like, no, he, re- he really loved her. So he never imagined it. It's like, go fuck yourself. Like you think like the human mind doesn't work that way. Like, have you ever, for for instance, if I were to ask you, Carmine, mm. I, I, I don't know if you have a will or not. Probably not. But have you ever, have you ever thought about having a will? Yes. In your entire life? Mm-hmm. Of course. Because we all have. Because we, our minds Think about lots of different things and lots of different situations. You know, have you ever thought about having kids? Yes. Have you ever thought about getting married? Yes. Have you ever, you know, have you ever thought you were gay? Well, have you ever thought like everybody think? Well, everybody thinks about these things. Like, have I, have you ever thought you were going to die? Have you ever thought, you know, have you ever thought your parents were going to die? Have you, it's it's like your mind thinks about everything. Like that's the way minds are for any, for any human being to be like, I never thought about remarrying. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like, especially considering like your wife just died and you had this prophetic dream that you were going to have a son. Like it's just such an obvious fucking thing. Like, well, maybe it'll be my next wife. Like, like that, that never occurred to you. Like it's, it, it, <laughs> It's so rare to have Leave like Viserys a single alone. Line. He's a fine king. He's the best we've seen. We've we've seen as of the audience because Robert was an ass, Joffrey was a douche, and Tommen was weak. <sighs> Viserys is fine. He's the average Joe. Uh, it's it's such a tremendously bad like it's so <laughs> tremendously bad that it's just ruined the entire. It's ruined that character for me. <laughs> it's such a bad like I hate Viserys so much now. I just hate him. <laughs> For that one so, line? Oh my god. It was such a bad line that I can't, like, it's so hard to get around. Like, and this is this is me forgiving a butt square in the camera farting, <laughs> you know, farting at me. I forgive that. I forgive, you know, open, straight-up murder in a joust, you know? Like, that pilot episode was great. Despite the fact that, like, a butt farted in my face and there was, it was just fucking murder. Six people getting murdered. Like, I still thought that was a really great episode. I, I can't, like, there's nothing to bring me back from that line. There's nothing where I'm just like, oh, well, you know what was really fucking fantastic about this episode? And then I go, oh, well, I can forgive. Um, Honestly, I never thought I'm a little, I'm a little shocked that that was the line that did it for you. I thought him yelling oh at God. Rhaenyra, even I'm not above tradition, when he literally passed over, like his his <sighs> male heir for his daughter. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that was the line I was gonna get you. That's. That's, that's, that's another, that's another, <laughs> that's another one, but the, <laughs> cause it's just like, you just walked into a trap. Now, some people are like, well, Preston, he was drunk or like in that situation, he was, he was, he was angry and was, an, and, and people say stupid things in conversations. Mm. It's true. It's true. But I couldn't imagine being that drunk and saying something that stupid. Um, I could imagine being angry enough where I would say, even I'm not above tradition for getting like, that obvious thing. I could imagine him being like angry and forgetting himself for that. 
But who would ever fucking ever say, I never imagined remarrying? Who would ever fucking say that? Like, it's just so fucking dumb. One, like, like can a piece of dialogue be so bad that it, like, spoils an entire episode and an entire character? Yes. Oh, that's stop how bad it. it. That's it how was, strongly it I was. It was a fine it. episode. Stop it. <sighs> By the way, I may be wrong. I, I don't think we're getting blood and cheese this season. Um, looking at the uh, episode list, um, episode 9 is called The Green Council, and episode mm. uh, 10 is The Black Queen, which, okay, okay. Um, it doesn't seem... <laughs> It, it seems like War of the Ravens, which then Blood and Cheese happens, will be season two. Yeah, yeah. I think I think maybe the fight of a storm's end will be will be the the, the finale, and then we'll get Blood and Cheese at the beginning of, of of season two. But um, yeah. I mean, they have to include Blood and Cheese. Like, you know, they wouldn't they wouldn't they wouldn't skip that. They wouldn't skip that shot. That that's yeah. That's red wedding level shock right there. So though they've really they've really made both Alicent and Rhaenyra much more likable characters um, here in the show than they are in Fire and Blood. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, They're not point-of-view characters we can't... Oh, by the way, there's another thing that uh, I didn't know if you caught or not. You know when Otto says, um, why don't we marry Aegon to Rhaenyra? In the book, Mm. Alicent says that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they're they're taking a lot of these things... Because, again, it's such a shitty thing to say. That they're taking all the shitty lines. I mean, keep in mind that, <clears throat> like, at this point in the story, Alicent was also already planting rumors that Rhaenyra was 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 banging Kristen Cole in Fire and Blood. But they're trying to make they're trying to make both Alicent and Rhaenyra much more likable, because um, at this point they're really they're, you know, they're pretty sympathetic. The fact that it's Alicent that's sitting there at the end saying, "Why don't we do what's best for the realm? You should help your brother." Um, you should allow Rhaenyra to marry whoever she wants. Like all of a sudden, she's the she's the one making the right call, while Viserys is being a fucking idiot. She um, they're they're making her way more sympathetic, and I and I like that because oh, we yeah. need someone Absolutely. on the Greens side. We need the audience to like sympathize with both characters. Plus, I'm glad you brought up the whole rumor thing um, because in the episode four preview, that's when the rumors start. And that yeah. went Rainier, I, I believe she's touring the realm. She's at Storm's End, which we get to see Storm's End. Woo! I wonder if they're going to keep to the book and have Ray, uh, Alicent the one who spreads it. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I, I guarantee that they're going to do... They'll either take it from her and give it to Otto, or they'll have Otto, like, straight up order her to to, to do it or something. You know? They, they, they've got to they've do something to, to make... To keep her likable. Um because I think that's just where they're going. Um, but that's my bet. My bet is that... She, I, my bet is that by the end of season uh, episode four, we will still think Allison blameless for, for the shit going down. Mm-hmm. Why don't you grab a sandwich and we'll talk later. Gabagool. Over here. And I am here with Phil Nye, the issues guy, and uh, of course we're going to be talking about some House of Le Dragoon. Phil, what did you think of episode three? I think it was my favorite of the three episodes. I thought it did a really great job setting up some interesting parallels between Rhaenyra and Viserys, showing how 
how powerful she is as a possible ruler in the way that she just stabbed the hell out of that pig and then showing the weakness of Viserys. I've heard you and Preston talk a couple times about how weak Viserys is as a king, and I haven't seen it yet on the show. This was the first episode I really felt his weakness, and I thought it was well depicted. I, too, had maybe a couple of issues with the action scene at the end that I saw you mention. I thought it was done well the first time I watched it, but the more I watched it, the more I picked a couple of action tropes in schlock in there a little bit. But that's fine. I mean, it is what it is. But- M- Miguel Spov... I always fuck this guy's name up. Miguel Sp- Spocka Kick, whatever the hell his name is. He's the guy who directed Battle of Bastards and Hard Home episode. The fact that he didn't direct this, like, it really shows. Like, you really feel... Like that, this whoever directed this episode, I forgot. I think it's Greg y- y- Yatadas, yeah, Yamat, all these insane names. Might as well be Ice and Fire names. Uh, <laughs> P. Tyre, is the P. Tyre Baelish directed this episode? <laughs> Arvaris, uh, no, but <laughs> but uh, you can tell this guy probably doesn't direct a lot of battle scenes, and there was a lot of action sl- uh, schlock in this. So yeah, like the first time I was watching, I was like, you know what, this is okay, it's fine, it's you know, I saw some reviewers comparing it to Battle of Bastards, and those guys are smoking crack or something. I don't know what the fuck they're doing. But, uh, yeah, that battle, after watching it, like, a second and third time, mm. Yeah, that's just a lot of recency bias, and I appreciate that. I mean, people want to love this show. It's a good show. The first three episodes are very good. I don't want to deny that. But without picking apart some of the things, it's hard to quantify that, really, because everyone wants to believe what they're watching right now is the greatest thing. But, yeah, that action scene at the end, they did that thing that I hate when they cut away from the big battle. We don't actually get to see him fight the crab feeder, and it's such a good buildup that they built up the menace of the crab feeder. I would have liked to see the payoff. People rag on the Rickon Stark running straight with arrows coming, but Damon straight up was just, like, sprinting out in the field with a bunch of bowmen that that probably have more experience than Ramsey, and he's just like you know using the force to push off the arrows. He's giving, like he's like Kylo Ren, just like pushing the arrows away. Actually, I, I, I'm glad you you brought that up. So I watched. Um, I, I'm, wow, I'm surprised the I'm surprised the name of the film escapes me. But Matt Damon was in it with Kylo Ren. It was the um, it was the film he just came out with this past year. Uh, wow, it's the one of the Medieval Times one. You know what I'm talking about? Not sure. I'm looking it up because I know we can cut off time. Uh, <laughs> uh no, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, the, the, the Last Duel. Oh, okay. I didn't, I haven't seen The Last Duel yet, but it is definitely on my list. So, you watch it. I, th- I think it's great. Very good medieval, uh, medieval, uh, realistic medieval movie. In it, he has, like, he's in a, he's a knight in armor, right? And he's fighting, like, peasants, I think, in Ireland or somewhere else. And some of the peasants are, like, shooting at him with a bow and, with like, you know, arrows. And some of the arrows, like, like come, like, just hit his armor and then, like, like bounce off. Because, you know, sometimes arrows will do that. Sometimes armor will actually protect you from arrows. And I would have loved it if the prince of Westeros, the prince of the Targaryen dynasty, had, like, really good armor to the point where bows and ar- uh, arrows, for the most part, would bounce off it. Obviously not in the gaps where, like, you know, the joints are, sure, but it's, I don't know why the arrows all need to miss him. They can just bounce off. That's fine, too. It's realistic. Exactly. We could set up that he has some sort of Valerian armor of some sort, and to see the arrows bounce off would have showed so much more like gravitas to him as a warrior rather than just sprinting in there once he got the report. I thought from the moment that he got the letter 
there was some good acting choices by Matt Smith right there in showing that he, while my brother loves me, while still going, I need to save face right here. But also there was that other action thing where, okay, so now he finally decided to do this. He's been in this battle for two years and all he needed to do was sprint in there and draw them out. <laughs> and I know that? that- I, they, and I know uh, Corliss's brother said, no, there's not. We have a plan. This is what we need to do at the beginning of the episode. But you're telling me in two years, no one thought to do like a bait like that and then have the dragons come in and fly. And where's Rainey's as well? Unless I missed her there. Well, they have both dragons coming in there uh, of all three dragons just destroyed the situation there in the house of the dragon. There's a lot of uh, like not enough foreplay or foreplay for dragons instead of just giving us the dragons sometimes like like we we know they're all here just have the three dragons like lay siege on this on these uh on these crab feeders but i I don't know i it is action and i said this in my live show i kind of as long as it doesn't take me out too much in action it's okay in the moment because I agree with you. The first time I watched the episode, I wasn't really thinking about that because it looked really good. Everything was built up. But the more you watch it, the more you pick it apart for Rambo, Commando, schlocky type stuff. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of what... The Crab Feeder sends all his men at Damon. Like, <laughs> one, <laughs> all one your guys? Time, yeah. Yeah, just one at a time, he's just knocking them down. And again, people could say, oh, that happened in The Lord of the Rings with Gimli and Aragon. But that's like high fantasy. This is a different kind of fantasy where you're just having Damon, like a one-man army, destroying all these crab feeders after apparently all these crab feeder feeding guys uh, have been destroying the Valerian army for the last two years. But no, just Damon needed to go in there by himself and take out half the army. That didn't make any sense. So, I, I, like, when, when, when we cut back to the battle stuff, um, you could see some of like the, the, uh, the triarchies people have, uh, you know, take out either trebuchets or catapults to launch mm-hmm. at the ships. Like, why do, why don't the dragons just like flank the ships and then at the, at the first sign of a trebuchet shoot it, like spew fire on it before anything happens? Or in the situation where we see eventually the dragons shooting down all the archers on the, on the, on the sides, I know we see Damon do that once at the beginning of the episode when he flies in and then all the arrows sort of surround the dragon. But again, I say, did they only try that once? Did they come in with the three dragons? They have access to three dragons right now, and they're using one at a time. I, I just don't quite get that other than CG budgetary reasons. Mm-hmm. Not, th- not that that's the reason necessarily, and obviously maybe some some how it associates to the book story in some ways. Uh, you know this information a lot more than I do. Is this is this something that gets a lot of attention in uh, Fire and Blood? They won because dragons. That's that's essentially it. They won because dragons, not because of some insane bait and switch technique that that Damon ultimately ends up using. They won because <laughs> dragons. That's basically it. Fire and Blood is just a history book, so there's not. I, I understand they had to add the extra like action stuff in here and it's fine it was it was to quote Preston it's fine it's all fine it's fine it's fine and that's what I feel about in action situations if as long as it doesn't take me too out of it I can follow what's going on it's tough not to have action turn into schlock like that and as long as it's entertaining and visually good but I also feel like it's folly not to point out those moments when you see them. And to your point earlier, Miguel Shapushinik, or whatever his name is, <laughs> uh, personally did not 
do this episode, and he is the action master on A House of the Dragon. And I'm sure you have talked about this before, and we'll talk about this again, Carmine, but are you at all concerned moving forward? And I know we're talking about the episode, but are you at all concerned moving forward with the announcement that Shapushnik is leaving after season one? Well, most of most of the uh, House of the Dragon stuff going forward will, will, will be like dragon versus dragon battles. Um, I'm sure there will be some armies clashing and, and stuff like that and people on the ground fighting with them, but... I don't know. We'll have to see. Obviously, uh, Miguel uh, Spovovich, he's not hes not like the only guy in Hollywood who can do battle yeah. stuff, but um, he's tried and true with, with Game of Thrones, and maybe he can come back and do like one episode. I don't know. Right. But he, I, I'm pretty I, sure he was hands-on for all of this. Yeah, and I, what I'm hoping is that he was at least in the planning stages of some of these action things. And who knows, Sputnik might come back into it at some point in time. And as you said, in the later seasons, maybe he just needs a break. Maybe he's going to help in the planning stages of something like Snow or one of the other series. Or he just has a passion project. Yeah, so Snow. <laughs> snow. I don't even think. Snow. Really? We're getting. Snow. Oh, dude. Snow. Oh, I feel so bad for Kit Harrington. Look, man. This is. <laughs> He's a nice boy. He he really tried to make uh, Pompeii and gunpowder happen, Carmine. He really wanted those things to happen. He was he's in the he MCU. To... He's in Eternals. Um, he might team up with Blade whenever that movie comes out. With uh, I don't think is it Wesley Snipes or is it? No, it's uh, Mashun uh, Ali. I think is his name. Sorry if I destroyed his name. The guy the guy that was uh in the third season of True Detective, and he was also in the first season of Luke Cage. Yeah, he was Copperhead, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Who was he on? Uh, uh, let me let me tell you that that. Uh... No, he wasn't. He was a Luke Cage villain. Yeah, no. He, he what's what was his code name on oh, Cottonmouth? He was Cottonmouth. Cottonmouth. Thank, thank you. Yeah, he, uh, and he was amazing as Cottonmouth on on uh, Luke Cage as well. So it's going to be interesting to see him as Blade. I mean, I grew up with Wesley Snipes. But yes, Kit Harrington has been trying to make other things happen. So he it's funny that he brought the whole snow thing to HBO because he's like, oh, no, nothing else is working in my career right now. You think we can bring back Jon Snow? Yeah, but where, where does Jon Snow fucking go? E.T., the, the, the Chinese version of uh, Game of Thrones? Like, where does he go? <laughs> that that was my idea for Snow is that like you know and this is how they because HBO they want to like put more diverse content out which is fine um, that's my idea like Jon Snow essentially becomes Marco Polo like the ET they're having their own White Walker quote unquote problems which is mm-hmm. kind of alluded to in a, in a lot of like uh, superfluous material and they contact Jon specifically and Jon goes all the way over there and it's a Marco Polo situation where Marco's you know. Uh, uh, kicking it with the cons, and John is kicking it with uh, the the Golden Empire, and uh, he has to solve their problems. He falls in love again. It ends in tragedy, you know. Uh, again, there you go. The blood of the dragon. There's something about like prophecy about the blood of the dragon. He's got to bump bump into Drogon at some point in time. Oh yeah, and then and we're making the we're making the show right here, Phil. We're making the show right. <laughs> <laughs> We're making this show right here, uh, and then for some reason, Bronze involved. Like, oh, oh, he has to, he has to. He goes, 
You've got to, you, and he's got to say he has a small dick, and then Braun and uh, and Tormen become like a buddy cop duo. Uh, here we go. Sort. This is this, this is this, the first episode right here. <laughs> yeah, dude, this is all the first episode. Flashes around. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see this come come back and see uh, see John. So, but when you said that, it made me think of Marco Polo, the Netflix series. I love that I got, one. I really did. I know you you were like the you were the one. You and I know someone's gonna comment on this eventually. No, Phil. A lot of people love that damn series. Shut your damn mouth. But uh, but that was that's the example of Netflix's biggest budget drop. Like they put so much money into that, and it didn't work out for them. But it was a well put together series. A lot of people don't know this, but like before Wong, um, Benedict, uh, what is what is that man's name? The guy who plays Wong in, in Marvel. Oh yeah, um, what's his name? Keno- no, Kenobi, <laughs> Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, Wong in Doctor Strange. Yeah. Oh, ben- oh his Benedict name is Wong. Ben- I got it right. Uh, ben- <laughs> uh, so, so be- be- before Sorry. he played Wong, he actually played uh, Kublai Khan in Marco Polo, and he was fucking phenomenal. I loved him as cool. It's it's the best performance he will probably ever do in his life as Kublai Khan. Yeah, it's certainly not Wong. Uh, n- but yes, absolutely. I think I think Jon Snow series is probably going to be a combination of like that Marco Polo situation and also have an Obi-Wan Kenobi series kind of feel to it in some way. Oh, Lord. Fucking Kenobi. <laughs> yep. And uh, Daenerys is going to be like Hayden Christensen coming back and he's going to have like visions of talking Dude, to Daenerys that we did. That's actually I feel like that will happen. He will get visions of Daenerys like in the in the in the like in the distance and she'll be staring at him and like maybe blood will be pouring from her mouth or something like it'll be like a horror thing or maybe he gets nightmares Dude. of it like yeah and that's right before drogon shows up and then out of the mist of what he sees drogon flies through the mist and that's how he connects because part of her is with him mm. <laughs> this is a fucking series right here dude. <laughs> yeah dude we're done we're done with t- i think we got two or three episodes this is a fucking series. we're gonna bring we gotta bring preston to do the hard work in now and then, then we're good we're golden <laughs> But uh, no, this episode, yes, I did enjoy it a bit more than the first two. Not because of the battle stuff, but because of like, like yeah. two-thirds of the episode I really enjoyed. I feel the same way as you, Carmine. I don't mean to make this an echo chamber. I think the first third of the episode is really good. I really like the hunt stuff. I like seeing Viserys as a bad drunk, even as a parallel to Robert, a different kind of bad drunk, and just seeing him be just sort of a miserable human being and all the stuff he needs to go through and no matter how much he tries to push up move the ball or it's the like the charlie brown lucy thing every time he tries to kick the football lucy someone moves it and he falls on his butt again and i think it's a just a hilarious thing it's everyone hates Viserys, and everything he tries to go through it all fails uh and i thought that came through pretty effective in this episode i also just think the parallels between the hunt and and then Rhaenyra on her own. I'm not really feeling crispy yet. Uh, he's not one of the characters I'm feeling. Christian so Cole. I didn't necessarily. I, I didn't love all the time with Rhaenyra and and Crispin Cole. Uh, I just feel like they don't. I just didn't quite feel it between them. He's probably one of the characters I'm not connecting with as much. Uh, but I think I think Viser- the actor that plays Viserys and the actor that plays Otto. Auto low tower middle finger over there. He's he's doing a great job making me hate him, and I think he's getting overlooked by his performance. I thought he had a really good episode, and I thought it was interesting seeing his brother sort of tell him, "You need to get this kid as as king. You need to get this king kid as heir." To see the kind of pressure that Auto 
deals with similar to what he put his daughter mm. through with trying to get her to seduce the king. That's a good catch. I didn't even catch that. Good, good, good on that. Good on that. And uh, no, yeah, um, people keep saying Viserys is a weak king. No, he's like the average Joe. He's just trying to do his best. He is, but his best is a situation where everyone can take advantage of him. And I agree with that, too. I think he's a nice guy, a good guy, a decent father within this world. You can see that he really wants to let Rhaenyra have her own choices and set her up for success in different ways. Even having her in there as a cupbearer. I think in his mind, he's like, just have her in the room to watch everything so she can pick up how this whole process works. Uh, with the whole thing with trying to find her a husband and, I'm a Lannister. I'm gonna, and, like, she, like, I thought that was hilarious. I love, I love that we popped in and saw proto Jamie and Tyrion right there. And even the, and I gotta give the actor credit for the, for the way he was delivering lines in a very Jamie, even his body language reminded me of, uh, like, Dr- Jamie or Drunky Terry a little bit. Uh, so applause, applause to the Lannister for being very Lannister in this episode. Uh, but I think it's important that he is a good guy. And I think even the way he treated uh, treats Alicent in some ways when he sees her innocence, he doesn't go, you're stupid. He's, he's a bad drunk. And when she's like, oh, yes, you're king, you know, you should help your brother because you love him and blah, 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 and all this stuff. He doesn't turn her and go, you're stupid. Shut up. He's like, you know what? I wish everyone thought as innocent as you. Like He thinks pretty purely. He's actually a decent guy. But to your point, he's somebody that he wants to please everyone, so he pleases nobody. And that that's actually a real big truth of life. If you try to please everybody, you're going to please nobody, including yourself. And Viserys wears the shirt that says that, basically. 